0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This week, we take you to the beautiful mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina, where we interview three different artists, uh, one of which is Jess who is Max? friend. So tell us a little bit about Jess.
1: Yeah, Jess and I worked for several years at Gwyn Valley. Um, Gwyn Valley is kind of a cult for people who've worked there before. Um, before it's a summer days. camp, right? Summer camp, yeah. <laughs> it's not actually a cult. And um, that's where we became friends. But she is a phenomenal human being, um, one of the most charismatic people I have ever met. And she has just started out on this project to create this company, Waxon, that you will hear more about Later. And likewise, um, Jessica got in touch with Jen Toledo, a local painter, and Stacey Redman, who does photography in Asheville. And we were really interested in looking at them specifically in terms of not just artists, but artists in Asheville and what coming up in that community is like. So we'll hear more from them now. Yeah, so I hope
0: you all like it. Welcome to Drive.
1: Okay, hey, so Jess, tell us who you are. My
2: name is Jessica Koff. I uh, have my master's degree in crafts education, and I am now the new business owner of Wax On Boutique and Dye Studio here in Asheville, North Carolina.
1: Awesome. Brand new venture. Yes. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got really into like craft work and discovered this passion. Sure. Course.
2: Well, um, I've always been in the arts. My parents are musicians, and... Um, I decided to go to school to teach theater. So I, I knew that I wanted to teach, I knew I wanted to be in the arts. And I taught theater for maybe two years after undergrad and then just realized I was spending all of my time um, on craft work, on handwork. And so I was like teaching my little stage hands how to knit backstage and um, spending more time hanging out with the ceramics teacher than like the other theater professionals. And it just felt like a calling. Um, it's, you know, there's not many things that I'm really great at, and making things with my hands is one. So when my my husband, my husband at the time, decided to go to law school, I thought, well, I'm going to go uh, to grad school also. We might as well be miserable together. And the only <laughs> thing I would go back to school for, because I did not like institutionalized learning, the only thing I would go back for um, is if I could get my degree in teaching crafts which is weird, right? Because most people get an MFA in like a studio craft or they are art teachers and they teach the full range of drawing, painting, art history. But I wanted sort of this um, symbiosis of the two. I wanted to teach handwork specifically with like a Southern Appalachian focus. And so a lot of my master's work I did on the craft movements of, um, you know, the South and I studied folk schools and studied Penland and um, it all just sort of came together I got my degree I started teaching in a Montessori school and then I switched to teaching at uh, the Outdoor Academy of the Southern Appalachians down here in Brevard North Carolina and I just made the really big brave slash stupid leap to leave my teaching job and try to be a self-employed teaching artist
1: through this little studio. Awesome so that's kind of how we met was you started off in fine arts oh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah.
2: Literally started off in fine arts. And what I did for my summer job was I taught uh, theater and dance and singing at this summer camp, which is where I know you from. And then, um, yeah, this is a huge part of the transition for me. At this amazing camp, Gwynn Valley Camp, Gwynnvalley.com, um, there was an incredible crafts program going on just up on the mountain, literally in this open aired cabin. Um, called The Bong Tree and that's from the poem The Owl and the Pussycat Went to Sea." That's what the everyone says. Beautiful pink. <laughs> yeah. And it so it was uh, named
1: in the 70s, wasn't it? <laughs>
2: no, that poem is from... Oh, gosh. Okay, it's very, very old. Yeah. So and I used to know yeah. when the poem is. And so that's what they said. They named... Cause they sail to the land where the bong tree grows anyway so I would as a counselor I would sneak up and spend all of my extra time in the bong tree doing any craft I could get my hands on and then eventually made the plea to like please let me work up there let me work up there so um yeah it's been like six or seven maybe eight summers in a row now that I've been working crafts I've since passed it on to someone else um but I, yeah, I feel like that was really instrumental for me, especially in this business model. For WaxOn, Batik, and Dye Studio specifically, I'm drawing directly from what I learned in how to set up systems of people coming through, how to mix the dye, um, getting them soaking their shirts, explaining the different patterns and colors, um, wringing out, applying dye, storing it, washing it out. Like, I can do that with big groups of people as they go through. Um, and I just think the model is perfect for kids' birthday parties, things for tourists to do in Asheville. Um, yeah, locals. I really want to get into doing stuff with locals with their old clothes that are maybe stained or not the favorite color anymore and bring them in and over them and make them exciting again.
1: Yeah. So, and so it's not just selling boutique and, and tie dye clothing. And it also has this workshop and like teaching element and to it as
2: that well. That is the biggest element for me. Like I'm not, I'm not a salesman by trade, mm-hmm. um, at all. I'm a teacher by trade twice over. And so, um, yeah, this, what I'm doing this summer is uh, getting my name out there by setting up a booth at certain area tailgate markets. Yes, I'm selling some of the stuff that I've made, but mostly what I want to do is get the word out there that I exist, that this is a, a brick-and-mortar shop in downtown Asheville. I was sitting on um, a, a couch at a friend's house, and we were sort of visioning, as Asheville people do, and I was like, you know what I want? I want. And then I just, it was as if I stepped into it, and I could picture it. Again, that plan A, that someday big big space with my yes. own own washer and dryer and like walls full of white clothing that people can choose from. And, um, I have a mini version now, but I described to my friends as if I was walking into the room, I was like, and that's there and that's what it looks like. And here's how people use it. And like, you know, it was just, it was awesome. And then it, everything just kept sort of falling into place. I also put a crap ton of work into it, you know. Yes. I just I was teaching full time at this boarding school, was maintaining a relationship, I was helping my partner at the time, like start his little homestead, and I was starting this business. So with every minute of free time, I mean, I was batiking until like one or two in the morning just to create the stock of things that I would sell this summer. Yes, yeah, and you know they're selling slowly because I'm at tailgate markets, and most most folks come to tailgate markets to get like their cucumbers and maybe a baked good, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, also t-shirts okay, that's not my plan for today, but you know, I have been able to sell enough that like each market pays for itself, Yes, which is great. You know, two or three items, inshallah, you know? Um, so yeah. So I guess it's my plan for exposure is going well for the summer and I really want to ramp it up for fall to get some classes and workshops going and do lots of parties. I've lived here on and off for about 15, 16 years. So that's awesome. I've seen I've seen the city grow. There's friends here that I've known that have known me for a really long time, but it's also incredibly dynamic and new and changing every day. So there are I mean just the foot traffic foot traffic of tourists every day is insane. Um, and so if I can tap into that, like. Hey, what do you do when you go to Asheville? Well, beer tour, whitewater rafting, maybe, um, more beer. You know, if I can get on that list of like, also Asheville, people love it. It's hippies. It's artsy tie dye. Like I have an opportunity. I was going to say another fear of mine is that someone will take my business idea and do a better job because they're like more funded or they have more Mm -hmm. business savvy. So, um, yeah, I just, I want to be the premier go-to number one, family fun creating thing that you do when you when you visit Asheville so one of the pluses is that lots of people visit
1: Asheville yes yeah (laughs) and Um, it's a place I think is in some ways synonymous with arts and exactly
2: yeah Yeah, we are artsy and we're artsy in a particular way that fits my aesthetic you know Mm -hmm. like we have this like tribal neo-hippie new age rainbow kind of thing going on and like that's what I do yes exactly (laughs) I like to say that my work, my dyed clothing, I try to stay away from the word tie-dye because yes. that gives you an idea of, like, rainbow spirals, yes, yeah. which is cool, and there's a ton of people doing that. That's more like Grateful Dead. Yeah. My stuff, I'm more into, like, shibori and ice dye, and I, I tell people, this is mine is more like Alex Gray, mm-hmm. his artwork, as opposed to, like, the tie-dye, you know, Grateful Bears kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm just hoping that there's... There's going to be a market for it.
1: So we talked about the stuff that gets you really pumped. Uh huh. You know, the other, the uh-huh. other side of the coin. Like, when have you experienced some? It doesn't necessarily have to be specifically <laughs> on wax on, but okay, you have stuff to share about. Just that. as an
2: artist, I guess. Yeah.
1: Things where you have like felt some self self doubt or or second thoughts about yes. pursuing this as something to sustain you. Oh
2: lord. Well, I mean, the obvious one is financial, right? It's terrifying. And as I was, you know, I was in New York as a freshly divorced person trying to make Brooklyn rent. I mean, and just the rent was, you know, you could get a whole house for that here in Asheville. Um, not to mention, you know, like food and transportation and you know, what if you want health insurance? And, um, that was just, it made me feel so much self doubt. Like what have I done? I've got friends who are going back to nursing school just so they can have jobs that pay enough so that they can someday buy a house which is my dream, you know, and so it felt at, at, the, at bad times it feels like I'm being irresponsible to my future self mm-hmm. um, but what I was taught growing up in the 80s is, is not true now where it's like oh, teaching is safe, you'll always be able to get a teaching job and like, man the amount of, I work so hard for so little money as a teacher which yes. you know um, and especially being like in a niche like crafts education you'd have to find a school that not only had an arts program but you know had another position besides their regular art teacher to offer just craft or you know I can try to make a living teaching at folk schools and and places like that but millions of people want to teach there so you're lucky if you get like a week or two each year um so yeah the dark the dark parts are the financial fear and the questioning of like am I doing the right thing with my life am I being responsible? to my future dreams, yeah, you know? So every day it's a battle of like, nope, I'm not going to dip into that savings account. Nope, yes. I worked really hard to get it. And I, you know, it grows by centimeters, centimeters each month and I don't want to touch it. So what does that mean for today? Like today I need to sell some t-shirts today. I need to advertise myself again on the internet and try to get some birthday parties booked. I need to, who knows what, I mean, I'm yeah. probably going to take a serving job just to, get through for the first couple
1: the months. but Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's are, the scary part. Sorry to interrupt. No, um sorry. what are your proudest, most exhilarating moments? Um getting that space. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Honestly, I applied for it and so many people applied for it. And there are two other um dye studios in the building. So it was tough competition there's a woman who dyes yarn professionally full time. Um, and then there's local cloth, which is our, um, our area nonprofit for fiber arts. And they have like a natural dye studio as part of their space. Um, and so, yeah, my proudest moment, the biggest like vote of confidence from the universe so far has been like, Oh look, you got into this building. Cause otherwise, I mean, I was going to work out of my now ex-boyfriend's barn, you know, yeah. outside like North Asheville and, um, I'm really glad that I got this space. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's been my proudest moment. Also designing my logo, because then I put it all over everything, and just nothing makes me feel more real than having a logo, and I, you know, I got my business loan, I opened a business account, it's business time.
3: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we loved it when we got our logo, yeah. so it made it yeah. feel much more legit. So so when did proudest. you get your space?
2: Mm, I think that I heard about it in April, that I had gotten it in April. Just around my birthday, but I applied in like January or February. So this idea, you know, I've been a self-employed craft teacher before. When I lived in Brooklyn, I started Happy Go Crafty, which is still sort of my parent, like my umbrella organization. Um, and just the cost of living in New York City and all the side jobs I needed to do just to make it like really took it pulled focus away from my crafts teaching. And I was teaching a variety of workshops and lots of craft genres all over the city. Um, And I just had to—I had to stop and come back to North Carolina because it was—it was just too much. If you could be
1: reverted back to little like child Uh Jess, um, knowing all the experiences that you've had, would you Mm -hmm. do how? What would you do differently, or would you do anything differently at all? How (laughs) personal
2: (laughs) do (laughs) you (laughs) want to (laughs) get?
1: However comfortable you are. But I mean, like mostly I'm focused on on um, you know the the career and yeah. uh, uh,
2: Okay, I will say this. There was a moment that could have been a turning point. I went to Northwest School of the Arts, which is Charlotte's big magnet school for the visual and performing arts, and I was on the fence between drama and crafts. So here I was in the 90s, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old, and I was enrolled in the musical theater program. That was my major. I loved it, and yet, and yet, I was so drawn to the craft world, especially clay at that point clay and, and textiles I went to the hallway where all the art classes were and I asked one of the art teachers I was like can I take crafts there was a class called crafts and she said no that's for visual art majors only like, we don't want you in there if you're not going to be a visual arts major it's like a little peek into college and so I was bummed and I was pissed off I felt resentful but I didn't fight it I was just like well fine. You want to take your class anyway, grumble, grumble. Um, and then as soon as I got to college, you know, I decided to go to college for teaching theater arts. Um, as soon as I got there, I started knitting and taking pottery classes and, and, you know, modeling for the life drawing classes. And I was all up in the visual arts world, but didn't feel brave enough to say, what if I switched? What if I switched right now? Um, so I think that was, that might be a regret of mine that I spent so long on the path of what I thought I should do. um, which, when most people say that, they mean, like, my parents wanted me a doctor or a lawyer, but no, I was a theater teacher, so they're like, <laughs> clearly you're not going to make any money, but if it's what you love, and I was good at it, yeah. but I felt early on the instinct of, like, I think it's crafts, I think it's crafts, and I was like, shh, <laughs> no, yeah. it's too hard to switch now. I had sort of, like, a sunk cost, um, you know, mindset on that, yeah. and and I do wish that I had been a little more rebellious, to be like no, I really want to take this class anyway. And like actually parents, I want to switch everything, everything, you know, but who knows? Yeah. You
1: never know. Is there some aspect to this that like you, you really feel excited and want to talk about, but like I haven't asked the right question.
2: Yeah. 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 Here's something I feel excited about that is only just starting to happen. I want to see people out there wearing clothes that I Mm, made or that I helped them make. Like I want to see a kid walking down the street and be like, you must have been at so-and-so's birthday party. I totally helped you make that shirt. That feeling that I got at camp for all those years Mm -hmm. of my favorite part was like after all the work, washing and drying and and folding the t-shirts and bringing them down to lunch and like going over to the lodge during, you know, like singing after lunch and giving the kids their pile of tie-dye shirts and watching them pass them out and pull them on right then and there. I feel like a doula, like a tie-dye doula, you know, where I'm just like, look, you made that shirt and I helped you. I was there. I told you to stop putting dye on it. And I'm so glad you listened. And you know, that's something I want in Asheville. I want tourists going home with their wax on shirt that they made, putting pictures on Instagram, being like, I made this, like to facilitate other people having that. I made this moment, which is my favorite thing. My favorite three words in the world. Um, Yeah. That's something that I feel really sparkly about.
0: I want to see it happen. Thanks so much to Jess Kaufman for taking the time out of her day to meet with us.
1: Now we're going to hear from Jen Toledo, who Jess got us in touch with. Jen is a painter in the Asheville area. A lot of her contemporary work is inspired by Hokusai which some of you may know from like the Crashing Wave paintings Yeah, Japan. it's on
0: it's on a lot of I think like dorm room prints Yeah, definitely. At like, least Tavis at my Tavis. little hippie liberal arts college, I saw that a lot.
1: Absolutely, yeah um, and, the, and for the weirdos out there you might make a connection because Hokusai is also the first guy to do tentacle porn Her work, you know, kind of subtly includes tentacles in it, just kind of looming there threateningly but subtle. What's the name of that one painting?
0: Um, Dream of a Fisherman's Wife. Yeah, Yeah. so if that intrigues you, you should look it up, but preferably not at your office computer. No, it is definitely not safe for work.
1: So we'll be hearing from her and she'll tell us a little bit about her experience working in Asheville and being part of that community.
4: I'm Jen Toledo and I'm a painter.
1: Okay, and how did you first get into painting? How did you discover this passion of yours?
4: I guess what might be more accurate is that I never discovered it. I just never let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, most kids are artistic at a young age, and at some point their parents or teachers kind of discourage them from spending so much time doing that and onto more practical things. Mm-hmm. So even kids that show an interest in the creative arts are kind of steered often away from that. And I just never was. (laughs) So I just kind of kept kept holding on to that and I've never um, stopped.
1: Did did your parents have a big influence in that?
4: (laughs) If anything, they really encouraged me, which I think is awesome because they're both in the sciences. My dad is like a side project musician, but he's a doctor. So uh, I think it's really... Awesome. They did encourage me. I think it's fairly likely that they wouldn't have, you know, considering like on paper who they are. But
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah, they encouraged me. I think they saw, you know, how much joy it brought me, and I was a really shy kid, so that was kind of like the thing that I did. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of hanging out with other kids. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the? where you get your inspiration from or like what subjects you like to paint looking at like your instagram or your website Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's a lot like um and now i can't remember the name the japanese artist with the great wave yeah um so uh, like that kind of remind me of that yeah Mm -hmm. and um a little bit of uh some of the uh, your other stuff is a little bit more surreal and it kind of reminds me of like um garden of earthly delights or like maybe even a little bit of like dali or something but can you talk about that a little bit
4: um, sure. So, my inspiration is comes from like very kind of base sources. <laughs> um, on a larger scale, I'm very inspired by all those artists that you mentioned. In fact, Hokusai, I definitely keep in mind when I'm doing the wave paintings. They're kind of like a tribute to him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I have a very wide array of interests um, as far as like artists and history and just like. Conceptually, But when it comes down to actually painting, it's like you have to start out in such a small place because especially for oil painting, it takes so long. So right now, um, my obsession is a blue and red color scheme <laughs> and clouds and waves. Um, so I'm starting there. And then usually when I start something like that, it just kind of opens up into a more conceptual realm after I... Work on it for a long time. And right now, I probably have like 10 paintings in that area of the waves and octopus tentacles. And what I've come to with that is basically um, order and chaos and nature. So, like, nature appears to be chaotic and like random and very violent. Um, But in reality, everything in nature, you know, happens in a pattern. And I find that really interesting, and just kind of looking at the same things over and over again, like clouds over and over again, or waves um, or tree branches, for instance, are you can like mathematically equate a tree branch into a fractal pattern, so I think about all that, yeah
1: can you talk a little about the balance that you have to strike between you know making a living and like trying to find time for doing your art?
4: yeah. That has really been, like, if there's anything that has defined my year this year, it's that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I used to just kind of be like, oh, I paint when I feel like it and have this, like, really laissez-faire, undisciplined attitude about it, which would lead to me staying up until, like, 7 in the morning sometimes and, like, sleeping until 3 and then, like, going to work feeling really tired. Um, but lately, I've been trying to be more structured. Um, I have kind of set studio hours. Um I work like four nights a week and usually on the nights that I work I try to be in the studio first so get up, have a good breakfast, go to the studio, uh, work for a few hours, take like an hour break and then I go wait tables until 11 so that's like my day usually starts around like by the time I actually get to the studio it's usually like 11 and then I work until 11 p.m.
0: Can you talk more about the commercial aspect and just trying to sell your paintings and how that whole process works?
4: Um, So I actually kind of, I know this is going to sound really weird, but I don't try to sell them. (laughs) Um, I used to work at a gallery very briefly, and that was my job was to sell paintings Mm -hmm. to people and convince them to buy things. And I'm also a server, so that's what I do. And um, I just, when I'm... When it comes to like me and my artwork and my relationship with it, I just try not to care. And I'm like, I'm gonna make the work that I wanna create not what I know is gonna sell. Mm-hmm. Even though there are some paintings I know are gonna probably sell sooner than others. Like certain themes and certain mm-hmm. like characteristics of some of my work definitely sell. Can you give us a, a
1: specific example?
4: Um anything that is not too esoteric i mm-hmm. guess like anything that has a really something really base that people can relate to like uh, anything with like a more happy like geometrical vibe mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't want to get too specific because you know specific people that bought my work recently might not like that, <laughs> like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but-
0: do you like the the Asheville community do you think you Do you see yourself moving to somewhere else, or do you think you're going to stay here for a long time? Um,
4: Well, I'm really on the fence about that, actually, because when I first moved to Asheville like five and a half, six years ago, um, well, Asheville has always had a pretty oversaturated art community, which on one hand is really great, because it's really encouraging. You're like in a town where people are making art, but also it can be really competitive as far as sales go. Mm -hmm. But Recently, I feel like Asheville's growth and the attention that the River Arts District has been getting is like really awesome. And I kind of just want to ride this wave. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's only going to get better here. You know, like a lot of people are moving here. Um, There's a lot of money being poured into the arts. I don't know like the ins and outs of all of it. I'm sure there are people in town that have their finger on the pulse of that more specifically than I do, but that's the feeling I get. you know I've met a lot of really interesting people recently and made a lot of really great connections and I would be really sad to sever those um but then again, you're not really severing them if you move away and you can always move back um, I have been deeply considering moving out west. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I really haven't made a decision.
1: Had there been like some really low moments as a painter for you, yes. where you've had to date?
4: Yeah, <laughs> yes, okay. like all the time actually. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably about once a month, I have like a crisis day where I just like that's all I can think about. Like, am I doing the right thing? I'm a server and I'm 30 years old, and like, do I need to go back to school and like do something where I can actually have a real profession? And I like, go through. Cycle of thought, but usually I come back around to the idea of like, okay, like this is the one thing that I've been able to commit to. I have a hard time committing to like a boyfriend or like a, any other decision, but art is the one thing that I've always committed to. Um, I actually did go back to school briefly for chemistry because um, I was thinking about going to art conservation school oh. um, for grad school. So that was like a compromise, and like even then, I was like, what am I doing if I would just spend this much time and money on my artwork I could go so far Mm -hmm. and so that's what I eventually come back around to is like not caring what other people think or like my social status Mm -hmm. and just pouring all that energy and money into my art and just having the not even like faith but just having the knowledge that like baby steps eventually do add up to success of some sort like Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to be world famous or like making millions, but you know, I'd eventually like to support myself as an artist. So I mean, millions would be nice. Yeah, millions would be nice. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, um,
1: where do you hope to be at ten years from now? What are your goals for, for? Um,
4: bare minimum. Um, I'd like to support myself fully as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to kind of like have the same life that I have now, but just more refined. Yeah. Um, More time in the studio, more of the things that I love pretty much. (laughs) So.
1: Can you talk about some of the highest moments for you when it comes to being an artist, like moments that you're most proud of?
4: Uh, Let's see. Well, I recently actually did... A like collaborative um, live mural project with a bunch of other artists. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Burners on Barbecue. No. It's a local event. It was their third year doing it. Um, in the previous years, they just used graffiti artists. Um, but this year, and the the graffiti artists, they flew in from like California or Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they just come in for like three days and cover like tons of wall space and the idea is just to like enliven a certain area that's really drab that Mm -hmm. you know has been getting a little more traffic and just to like give it a little like boost. So um down on Riverside Drive we covered like fifteen thousand square feet in three days. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So this year they included professional mural painters and I had heard about the event and I was like really envious of everyone that I knew was participating, like oh that seems so cool. And then, like, a week before the event, um, the guy leading up the mural painters contacted me. And I'd actually never met him before, so I have no idea how he found out about me or knew I existed. But I was just so happy to be a part of it. And that was definitely a high. Like, three days of painting alongside other artists that, like, I'd seen around town, whose work that I knew, but I'd never met them. And, like, you know, just the vibe was really interesting, too. Um having the graffiti artist there I had one to my left and we kind of like weaved our stuff together like I weaved my octopus tentacles into his tag and it was just really fun you know collaborating communicating with someone that has a very different artistic background than I do yeah (laughs) you know
1: yeah and and how much collaboration do you get to do with artists most of the time
4: I really don't and I feel like most painters don't because we're such like it requires such focus and Mm -hmm. like you know, you paint whenever you have time and that doesn't usually include when other people are free, (laughs) I feel like. Um, I love the idea of collaborating more. It just never really seems to happen. So, but yeah, that was amazing. Um, Everybody after that event was just like so stoked about it. Um, I would love to do more, more mural painting. It's, I don't know, I just loved like being on site and it just, like when I'm in the studio, it's just like time doesn't really matter as much and like on my own time nobody's gonna be driving by it and you know caring whether or not a painting on my easel is finished or not but this was like you get up and you get there when it gets light outside and like you paint until it gets dark yeah (laughs) so that was awesome I liked that
1: so as far as when you're like working on your paintings that's Mm -hmm. something that's that's very individual for you how much involvement do you have with the artist community here in Asheville and, and what's it like to be part of that community?
4: I have, I would say, very like personal connections with certain people in the arts community kind of here and there. I'm also a server, so I'm not free to go to the art openings usually that are on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Yes. Those are the nights when I make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is great. Like It does take away from my art but it also allows me to like not worry as much about whether or not I sell a painting so I can anyways I'm getting off track here um, oh no no
1: yeah, yeah, that's I, something that's important too to this
4: and actually uh, one of the mural painters from that project I was just talking about recently contacted me about doing like a gathering of artists because um, we both kind of like you said we have these little like connections with people around town but it would be really great to have more of a Cohesive
0: art community. We want to thank Jen Toledo so much for meeting with us. Last up is an amazing landscape photographer named Stacy Redman. Uh, But before we talk about Stacy, I just want to mention that we have a kind of a cool story about how we met him, and it really had to do with us not really planning very well our trip (laughs) to Asheville, and so we thought we had all these artists lined up, and we kept getting people to cancel, and then having to reschedule.
1: We had one we were really looking forward to yeah, that yeah. Jess
0: in touch with, who
1: does um, leather crafting.
0: Yeah, but a really particular kind of leather crafting, uh, in that she makes women's harnesses.
1: Mm-hmm, women leather harnesses not, for women. not like
0: rock climbing harnesses. No. You can just sort of let your imagination go there and, and, and visualize what, what that might be. <laughs> so needless to say, we were really excited about that interview. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But Stacy, we met at the farmer's market, and he is a fantastic man, and we're really excited to hear from him.
5: My name is Stacy Redman. I am a landscape photographer. Uh, my business is Red Rock Photography. My website's redrockphotonc.com. Basically, I've been a photographer for about the past 16 years, and my passion and my desire is going out and capturing the beauty of Western North Carolina, whether it be sunrises and sunsets, or waterfalls, or the other unique qualities of the area. Yeah. And so I, I, I can't remember if it was a blog or it was somewhere where I saw an artist
1: profile of you. So I checked it out real quick. And it, um, how did you, how did you come into discovering your love for photography?
5: When I was in grad school, uh, my roommate was the photographer for our athletic department. Mm-hmm. I was an athletic trainer and he had, uh, you know, he had, when he graduated and he left early and forgot his camera. And so he's. Uh, so I asked him, like, "Do you mind if I use your camera while you're going?" Because I'd been taking photos of our teams and that kind of stuff while I was out. And uh, he's like, "Oh no, that's fine. I'll just get it at graduation when he came back." And so I got out and I started shooting. Like the next thing we had was a uh, our women's golf tournament. And so I took the camera out and I shot during the women's golf tournament and just followed the golfers around, took some photos and stuff. And then at the end of the end of the tournament after it was over, I took the photos to the women's golf coach just as a gift she was a friend of mine and I said here trail." I took these during the tournament and she looked at it, she goes oh my gosh Stacy she goes I hired a professional photographer for the <laughs> tournament and these are way better yeah it's like this is amazing and so that kind of started me on the uh, the interest of it and we had gone to Hawaii for our, uh, our men's basketball team went to Hawaii for a uh, the big island classic on the big island of Hawaii and back then I just had a 35 millimeter point and shoot this was like Nineteen ninety-eight, you know, and uh, I just took photos of when I was in Hawaii. And when we got back, and I printed all my film, you know, back then printing actual prints, you know, the everyone else that went on the trip was like, "Oh man, your photos are fantastic! Can I get a copy of yours?" And so I think I had the eye and I had the the mindset, but I never really got into it. And I grew up here in Western North Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know, I was born in Asheville. Went to high school here. Went to grad. Went to undergrad out of Western Western Carolina University. Then got a job in South Carolina. Then went to grad school in Macon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I never saw the mountains. Yeah. Growing up here, seeing them every day, I never appreciated the mountains. When I came back from Macon, when I came back to the mountains, and I looked around, and I literally said, "What did I neglect my entire life? How did I not see this beauty?" Mm-hmm. And with my new passion of photography, I started, I started this, you know, I've got to go out and see everything. I started exploring. I started going to waterfalls. I've been to over 200 waterfalls now. Yeah. And there's so many more. I'm like, I've barely scratched the surface. (laughs) But so I started getting out and exploring and capturing every, capturing the photo, you know, what I saw. And I, you know, as I started to, you know, learn and explore and, you know, learn more about photography, I became better. And obviously I had the eye, the, you know, being able to see something and capture it and show what it was, but I didn't have the technical skills. Yeah. And so through time I just self-taught, I started learning, reading, and, you know, talking to other people who were photographers and finding out, you know, all of the details of how to, what I needed to do, the best way to do this, the best way to do that. And, you know, 16 years later, here I am. Yeah. And do you work exclusively
1: in landscape photography?
5: I only do landscape photography I get asked several like hey do you do weddings yeah no <laughs> my line is there's no drama at a waterfall yeah I mean I'll go and sit like this past fall there's a place called Panthertown Valley which mm-hmm. is kind of like Panthertown is kind of like the place that the locals go when we send the tourists to Dupont State Forest yeah so it's like more a little more hidden a little more off the beaten path. And I went up and sat at, you know, Salt Salt Rock Gap at Panther Town. Sat on the rock for five or six hours waiting for better lighting. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there. You know, it was beautiful fall colors. The colors were peaking. It's about, from my house, it's about an hour, 45-minute drive. Yeah. So it's not like I can just swing back over there tomorrow and do it again. So I just, I'm like, sit here and wait. Yeah. And that's what you do. And waterfalls. I've sat at waterfalls all day. Yeah. You know, you, you get there. Like, there was one I went to. I believe it was about, you know, early spring last year. And it's one that I knew that I wanted to photograph, and I got there, and it was nice and cloudy, very good cloudy overcast day. That's the best time to shoot waterfalls because there's no bright sun shining on the water, which causes a lot of glare and a lot of contrast. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I knew I had good lighting. I'm like, all right, we're going to waterfall. We get there, and now there's no clouds. Yeah. And so I was like, well, we're here. We just hiked in, you know, a mile and a half, two miles. So I guess we just sit here a while and it was awesome. The girl that I was seeing at the time was fantastic at it. So she went over and took a nap on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Oh, I'm cool. She's like, I'm I got a what, a waterfall sound going and she just lay there and took a nap, came over and talked with me some, took another nap, you know. I think it was like five and a half, six hours we sat at that waterfall and finally yeah. finally some clouds came in. I was able to get, you know, the shots I wanted and we were done, you know. Yeah. I probably only took about, you know, twenty or thirty photos. Out there for six or more hours, but you know what? That's that's the line is I'm loving my life, mm-hmm. and if I can sit at a waterfall, yeah, you know, for a living, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and find a way to make that an income. Hey, you know, that's 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 fantastic. But I'm loving my life, not just living it. That's that's one of the lines that I say frequently. About three years ago is when I started doing it full time. I had been selling online and selling some to people here and there, and about three years ago. I've got a nine-year-old little girl, so at the time she was she was probably still five, five or six maybe, and she lives with her mom right now in Georgia at the time she was in Virginia. And, you know, when I came back to Asheville, I was working 60 hours a week, 10 hours a day, still shooting my photography, but not selling it, mm-hmm. you know, and so she would come here with me, and while all day, you know, while, while I was at work, she's with my, with my mom or my dad, you know, with Grandma or Pap, you know, and... One morning I got up and she goes, Dad, hey, do you have to go to work today? I want to spend time with you. And that broke, that broke my heart. Yeah. And I'm like, I've got to find something that I can do that will allow me to spend more time with my daughter. Yeah. And one of my, was actually the girl I was dating at that time, actually said, you know, your photography is amazing. You know, and she recommended that uh, I check into the farmer's markets. What's kind of cool is on the drive over here, I actually drove down the road near where she lives, and she was walking her dog and waved. Just <laughs> went by, just thought, yeah. But, you know, she's the one that recommended it to me, check the farmer's markets, because she she her parents live in Seattle, mm-hmm. and when they were out there, they, there was always a farmer's market that she would go to that was a photographer that sold local landscape photography, and she would always buy something from it. So that's kind of what gave me the idea. And so I started calling around and emailing. Finally, after much badgering, uh, Evan today, you know, the one that was there today at East Asheville tailgate market is the one that gave me the first opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Once I got in there the first week, I you know, I sold like two prints. Yeah. You know, great. Two prints. I sold a couple today. And through the rest of the season, you know, I, I started selling more and started, you know, I started off, I had like, I think I had 25 prints to start with. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I had. So. And it was just just eight by tens at the time, and but I started going ahead and contacting the other markets, saying, "Hey, I'm in East Asheville. I'm looking for more markets. Yeah, do you have room for me?" And as the farmers started to dwindle down once their season started to end after after summer, once fall started getting in, I started getting some more yeses. And before the end of that first season, I was doing five days a week. And uh, but in part of that, I also learned. You know, I'm I'm a numbers guy. You know, I've I really my I went to grad school for MBA. I know business, the business aspect of it as well, which a lot of artists don't have the business sense. They they don't see the numbers. And I see the numbers and I pay attention to trends and who my customers are and so one of the things I try to make sure that I do is that I need to be in front of a certain group of people. I know who my customer is. And I need to be in front of my customer. I've discovered things like West Asheville is a vibrant part of this town right now. It's mm-hmm. a really hopping. West Asheville, those are not my customers. Yeah. They don't buy art. They do, but they they buy inexpensive things maybe just to show that they're supporting art. Mm-hmm. But they don't spend much money. And the tourists aren't going over there yet. Yeah. We're not getting any tourists. And so I've discovered after doing this for, you know, really i discovered it after about the first year and a half. That tourists are my target market. Mm-hmm. The people that come here that see the mountains and want to take something home. Yes. That's who buys my stuff. Yeah. The second people who buy my stuff are transplants, mm-hmm. people who have recently moved here. So they've they just came to the area. They're still in awe and in, enamored of the beauty of the mm-hmm. area, and they will buy. Then the third people are ones that have previously lived here and have moved away. The nostalgia factor. Yeah. And they want to have something of home to take back with them you know, where they've moved to now. Locals then fall down there below all of that. Um, So every once in a while, I'll have some locals that will buy my stuff, predominantly tourists and, you know, transplants and the nostalgia factor. So I started, you know, when I started calling around the markets and I got into some, and now talking about how I did this and why I did this, now when my daughter's here, it's it's us, Mm -hmm. me and her. Yeah. We get up in the morning. If it's a market day, she goes to market with me. We sit there so all day she'll play with some other kids if there's some there. Or I've got her to the point now where she's she's taking some photos of herself and we've printed and matted some. And she's also, she'll make like, she makes these little duct tape purses. Yeah. And so she'll set out <laughs> and sell her stuff. And heck, man, one day she did like 50-something bucks in duct tape purses, oh, you know. Dang. Nine yeah. years old selling yeah. little purses made out of duct tape, you know, <laughs> colorful duct tape. So... So she's getting that entrepreneurial spirit too, you know, yeah. wanting, of knowing because she'll say like, "Hey, Daddy, I want to buy this." I'm like, "You know how to do it? Get to work, make you some stuff, sell it at the market, you get your money, you can buy it." And she's done that. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. She went down. We went to uh, there's a market at the Grove Arcade called the Portico Market, mm-hmm. and it's all local artists, local people selling their crafts and arts. And there's a girl that makes these monsters, it's like stuffed animals, oh, yeah, monsters. No, I've seen those. Yeah. And uh, Tali wanted one. And we told her that we were at the grave market, we were up there, and she saw it and told the lady she really wanted it. And I said, "Well, you know what you got to do. You got to make it just make some purses or whatever you got to do. We'll stop and get some duct tape for you on the way home. Make them sell the market tomorrow if you make enough. Come back and get it." And she made enough, and we went back up there. And the girl actually said, "Since you earned the money yourself, she discounted like five bucks off of it." Mm-hmm. So that that made Tolly really happy. But so yeah, so now when I'm when she's with me, it's us. It's me and her if i'm if it's market, she's with me, if we're going hiking, if I'm going to do a sunrise or sunset, she's with me, going to a waterfall, she'll go out and get to swim in the water and the days that were you know days that I'm off it's we're going to waterfalls and doing other stuff anyway, you know, so it's just now when she's with me, she's a hundred percent with me all the time, yeah, and you can't you get one spin around this rock man, yeah one time if you're not living if you're not getting out and spending time with the people and doing the things that are important. You know, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, I can, you know, is it hard sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes winter is tough. But if I can get through it and I can spend all this time with my daughter and love what I do, I'm all for it, you know. I, I can handle the tough times. I can get through it. And, you know, but I only got one, we only get one life, man. Yeah. Only one time. Why, why waste it doing something you hate? With Jess and Jen, um, we talked to them specifically about
1: the importance of Asheville to them as an artist, and the relationship that creates, and the and the positives and negatives from that. Your work is so closely tied to, to the landscape, and you've already talked about knowing when things bloom, and so it's it's very closely tied, but Can you talk also about what it's like being an artist in in a community of artists and what that relationship is like for you?
5: It can, you know, the positives of it are that this community definitely is all about art. Mm -hmm. They love, everyone here loves art. The people that come here visit, get the vibe and they will buy art. The, you know, you get a lot of support. There's a lot of, you know, groups out there that help, you know, help market you and that and the help get the word out the, of the local artists. Uh, the negative aspect of it is there's a lot of us. You know, there's, I'm not the only landscape photographer in Asheville. <laughs> by <any> means. <laughs> there aren't many, though, that are doing it full time. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some that are doing much better than I am doing it full time, but they've been doing it a lot longer as well. But uh, I ran into one of those a few weekends ago, or I think it was weekend's. You know, I was shooting a sunset one night and ran into a lady that's a photographer and phenomenal work and when she said her name I knew right away who she was. You know, and there's a, another guy that does that does very well that he had gotten he kinda got his break because Oprah Winfrey brought one of bought one of his picks oh, okay. and <laughs> talked about it on her show and then he blew up. But he's a really good photographer too, yeah, so not at all discounting discrediting or discounting his his, uh, his photography when we interview people, we try and get the whole emotional spectrum. So what's the other side of the coin? The other side of the coin is when the tourists aren't here, it's hard to sell my work. And this past winter, I, you know, last year I said, you know what? I've got to do something different in winter Mm -hmm. because the previous winter was rough. Yeah. You know, I, I made it, but by the skin of my teeth, you know, it wasn't, uh, it you know wasn't you know, I've tried like the winter markets like did we have the winter tailgate markets? There's no tourists, mm-hmm. it's locals. Yeah, they don't buy. Yes, not that much. I might go to this market, you know, like one of the markets I did a couple years ago. A winter market was twenty dollars a week, and most weeks I was just hoping to make a sale to cover that twenty. But then when I do that, I'm I still have the cost of that product, mm-hmm. so I'm going home negative cost. Yeah, you know, I may have sold and covered my market. But I had to sell something to do that, which means I'm out the cost of selling that, and I have nothing to show for it. So that's not a way to survive. So last winter, I said, you know, I've got to do something different. And so I really, I took a big risk, and I got everything, spent a lot of of money that I had, you know, stock up, get ready, and I went to do a show in Florida. And I know my customers. Yeah. Those are my customers. Yeah. Those people that come up here from Florida and from other places, especially from Florida, that love the mountains, they buy my stuff. Yeah. And so I picked an art show in Florida. And this art show costs over $400 a booth. And West Palm Beach. Lots of money in West Palm Beach. Yeah. I wholeheartedly expected to go down there. And I made sure I had the product to cover I thought I would do six to 8000 $8, dollars easy in a two day show. Yeah, I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to go down here and do that. I mean, I had did a you know <clears throat> did a craft show here, uh, one of the Christmas craft shows, and did like almost fifteen hundred. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go down there and not do that kind of money at this art show. Mm-hmm. It was eighty artists in a thirty thousand square foot facility, beautiful art show, tons and tons and tons of beautiful art. There were people there with. pieces of art. I mean, amazing, amazing show. Promoter didn't promote it. He literally did not promote the show. The only advertising he did was what was free to him because he was classified as a nonprofit. We all lost our tails. I mean, I I ended up selling about enough to, to cover my show fee. Yeah. Uh, so, in two days, I am not exact. Actually, I am exaggerating to say we had 200 customers. Yeah. Maybe we had 200 customers for 80 artists in a th- like being in the Asheville Civic Center, but yeah. bigger, 30,000 square foot facility. 80 artists, and we had less than 200 customers in two days. Yeah. There was a gun show in the other side of the the fairgrounds where this was held. That they said there wasn't, you couldn't get a parking space at all, but no one was coming over the art show because he didn't advertise. Yeah. And the guy tried to say, oh, it's not my fault. Well, it is if you don't advertise. Yeah. You know, and And he said he was a nonprofit and, you know, like,
1: well, yeah. He's getting $400 for people to put up a stand. You'd think that he'd have some money to advertise. Yeah, I mean,
5: there's (laughs) $32,000 total in revenue there at least. And you figure that, you know, he probably had, of course he had to pay for the facility Mm -hmm. and the electricity and the air conditioning and things like that. But, you know, he could have at least spent, you know, eight to ten grand on advertising. Yeah. You know, to get the word out for the show, and it probably would have been a success. But it wasn't. Yeah. And so I came home with my tail between my legs. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, I was like, I told her, I said, I picked a bad show. I need to do it again. And it was kind of the downside was she she was kind of of the mindset, well, it failed, why go again? I'm like, you can't give up when you fail after trying once. Yeah. But that set me back. Yeah. I mean, I was wholeheartedly expecting that to not only help cover my regular bills and things of that nature, but I was expecting that to be able to pay for the next show. Yes. And now, all of a sudden, I'm coming home with nothing. I had a bunch of product and no money. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do? You know? And so that just, and it's been since then, you know, it, it, it's taken a while to get back ahead. Cause that put me a solid month behind almost everything. Yeah. So it's not always easy, but I'm not, I'm not complaining mm-hmm. because I'm getting to do something that I love to do. i Really, really, really don't want winter to be like that again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I want to, you know, be able to make a, have a way to be successful. Twelve months of the year. Yes. Um, and there's going to be bad months. June was a bad month this year. Yeah. I was. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. I've talked to a lot of local businesses. And tourism, at least the tourists that are coming, that were for the whole month of June, May and June, really weren't spending. What they spent last year. Yeah, and people have said things. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. It's election year. It's this. It's whatever. I don't know what it is, and I don't really care what it is. Yeah, I just know the effect that it has. Yes. You know, my last year, my galleries. I'm in four different gift shops and gift shops, galleries, kind of things. And last year, this time of year, I was getting, you know, my my checks from them were, you know, significant. You know, enough that. You know my galleries would pay like my rent for the month, yeah you know, so far, like June, I had like sixty seven dollars from total from all of my galleries, yeah, like whoa, yeah. and talking to them at the shops is like yeah, there's people just not coming in, and if they do come in, they're not buying,
3: yeah,
5: so something has got people overall not spending as much money, and so that's a that's a negative, that's a hard thing about it is you don't know. You know, you don't know what you're going to have next week. If you can't handle the risk of not, and the uncertainty of, you know, not knowing what you're going to have week to week, this isn't a thing for you to do. You know, I make it work. Sometimes it's tough. But, you know, that's that's the reality of it. You've already mentioned some... Great highlights to
1: what makes this job awesome. But can you think of your proudest moment so far in pursuing your craft? And
5: I think what's kind of cool is when someone comes to you, you know, like I had this, this couple. that was at a, I did a just a craft fair, like one of the Christmas craft fairs. Um, it was at Owen Middle School. And this couple that had seen me at a market a few months before started following me on social media. And they said, we're going to get some stuff from you. We're not going to do it now, but we're going to get some stuff from you. They came up to me at this market and they bought enough art, enough of my prints, to fill their entire house. They even ordered large prints, like stuff that I didn't have. Like they the my best selling image is one called Summertime Dream, which I shot up near Craggy Gardens with it's got the road entrance in the foreground. You can really see the blue mist of the Blue Ridge Mountains and the sunset. And they they ordered a twenty four inch by fifty three inch of that. So and that's like one of the main pieces in their house, and they've also ordered two other uh, two other 24 by, like one of them was 24 by 36, and the other was, I think, 24 by 72. Yeah. Of other, like, panoramas, and, another, and one of Mount Mitchell and stuff. And every, photogra- every piece of art in their home is my work. Yeah. And Those that's what's cool. kind of cool. Yeah. You know, thinking <laughs> that, hey, you know, there's people out there who like my photography enough that they want to put it on in everything in their house not just oh let me put an eight by ten in the hallway or oh, let me get one photo for the for the bathroom yeah but every piece of art on every wall of their home is my photography my dad my dad passed away in uh, January of 2015 he had pancreatic cancer and he at one point he was always I remember him saying son you, you got to have enough photos you get why not you just sell what you got and I'm like I love shooting I'm gonna keep going and he used to say things like to me, like you know, he he was he really got into this whole thing of fear. You know, there's crazy people out there. son, you got to watch out. You know, you can't go up on the parkway by yourself, and there's you know, some somebody might get you, and all this stuff and I'm like that. You know, there's a t shirt that I saw down in Sapphire. There's a little gas station on the corner of 281 South, which goes towards like Jocassee Gorges, the the Gorges State Park, and Horse Pasture River, and you know, there's 20-something waterfalls in that road, at least. Just tons of waterfalls in 281. And but uh there's a little gas station on the end of corner 281 and 64 that had a T-shirt. And the T-shirt had a picture of a hiker on it. And it said, I could uh fall off a cliff and die. I could get attacked by a bear and die. I could run out of food and die. Or I could sit on the couch and die. I'm not just going to sit on the couch and die yeah i'm going to get out and explore and go see and go do and live cuz we got one shot man
1: that was stacy redman giving us some fantastic words of advice on pursuing your dreams
0: yeah it's really great to hear from somebody that actually made it work you know and and is making a living solely off of their art which you don't hear about very often yeah. So that's been our episode on Artists. Jess Kaufman's website is waxonstudio.com. You can find Jens at gentoledo.com and Stacy's is at RedrockphotoNC.com. You can also find all those links on our website at drivepodcast.com, and you can find our links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram from there. Our handle for Twitter is at drive underscore podcast. And importantly,
1: this is only our third episode, so tell your friends. We need more viewers. We want to go ahead and spread the message and get more people interested. If you have suggestions for future episodes, we are more than happy to take them. Many of our episodes coming up this season are from people reaching out and contacting us and saying, Hey, librarians are cool. We want an episode. Um, So go ahead and do that.
0: So you can also find a donate button on our website that just links to PayPal. It's just to help us fund our episodes so we can get better equipment. Uh, We can produce more episodes because it'll take us less time
1: thank you guys so much for listening to this episode on artists in asheville this has been drive
0: yeah we'll see you soon look super shy this is
2: the moment i was talking about she's wearing (laughs) one of my pieces these guys just interviewed me for a podcast and they asked me what was the most rewarding moment of my work was and i was like it's seeing people wearing what i
1: made.
2: (laughs) thank you she did not call
1: it she didn't know what
2: she did not call it
1: she knocked not that. <laughs>
3: No. That makes
2: me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> How's it doing for you? Just fine. It looks great.
3: Thank you. Fabulous. It's very comfortable. <laughs> huh. Yeah. See? Yeah. Little signs from the universe.